Tommy Knowledge Podcast, just a man doing the best he can with what he got. All right, guys. So for those of y'all who did not major in journalism or broadcasting, who may not know this, there's a term called so what? And basically what that means is you ask yourself, why is this newsworthy? What am I getting out of this? Why does somebody need to know this information? And in turn, when you're reading the story, you ask yourself, why is this story coming out? Who wants me to know this story? What's the purpose? Especially in today's climate, because most of your news is activism. It's not true news. Everybody has an angle. So those are the things that you have to ask yourself when you're looking at news these days. Now, the reason why I bring that up is because my social media feed was set ablaze with information that classified documents <laughs> from Biden's time as vice president was discovered. So here's the thing. Whenever I hear news like this, that could be like skewed, I go to multiple news sources to check it. Now, my trusted news source is NBC News. A lot of people will say that is liberal leaning. I tend to disagree. That probably holds up with MSNBC. But you can't really say that with NBC News. I disagree. However, what I like to do is I like to get stories from Fox News and NBC News and then cross-check that with the AP News story because everybody gets their news stories from the AP. That's a dirty secret, guys. Go to the AP wire, check out stories. Everybody is getting their stories from there. That is the most unbiased view you're going to get, AP News wire. So I check NBC, I check Fox News, and then I check the AP wire to get kind of like the real story in between there. And from there, I extrapolate my information before I come do these podcasts. Because look, man, I try to be well diverse on every angle. I tackle this like, it's, like journalism. It's not journalism, but I tackle it like journalism. That being the case, man, I'm going to read you the story from Fox News, right? Because when this story came out that they found classified documents from Biden's time as vice president, all my right-wing friends were like, yeah, finally, uh-huh, we got them. <laughs> we got them, guys. <laughs> we got them. All that stuff they was talking about, President Trump, with his classified documents, now we're going to throw that at Biden. Because it's obviously the same. And, and, and it's not the same, bro. Once again, let me just read the Fox News story. A batch of records from President Biden's time as vice president, including a small number of documents with classified markings, were discovered at the Penn Biden Center by the president's personal attorneys on November 2nd. The attorneys found the documents in a locked closet while preparing to vacate office space at the center, which the president used from mid-2017 until the beginning of 2020's campaign. The National Archives were notified of the findings and took possession of the documents November 3rd, 2022, Stuber said. All right, so right off top, let's start right there. The Biden administration's, well, not even the Biden administration. Biden's personal lawyers found the documents November the 2nd and was given to the National Archives November the 3rd. Already totally different from the President Trump thing, but let's continue with the story. The documents were not the subject of any previous requests or inquiry by the archives. Since that discovery, the president's personal attorneys have cooperated with the archives and the Department of Justice in process to ensure 
that any Biden administration records were appropriately in the possessions of the archives. This is Fox News. I'm getting this from Fox News, guys. So says a Fox News. The documents were not subject of any previous requests or inquiry by the archives. So an honest question here is why didn't the archives pick up on this? Why didn't they see this? Well, this Fox News story says it was only a small number of documents. That is different from President Trump, who had like boxes and boxes of, on top of boxes of documents. Already a different story off top. And I'm more inclined to think that something nefarious wasn't happening here because it was a small number and they turned themselves in. The Biden administration said, yo, bro, I know I had these. Here you go. Not the case with former President Trump. Context matters, guys. If you're going to play this whataboutism, get the full story out. Get the full story. So already it ain't the same damn thing. <laughs> It's Donald Trump. <laughs> so it's always been a thing with me when the classified document dumps and the thing that Donald Trump is being like prosecuted from or being looked into from the U.S. Attorney's Office and Department of Justice. It's always been a funny thing, right? Because I can honestly understand like somebody moving out the White House or you trying to get documents gather up and get your things gather up and you're rushing out and you pick up the wrong document. I can actually honestly see that happening. There's a scenario where you can actually do that. But why this is different from the Biden administration is first, the Biden administration found these documents and look, that could be a lie. Let's say that could be a lie. Maybe they knew they had these documents, but the national archives didn't know those documents was missing. Right? Because it's so few documents and they had like a majority of everything. The Biden administration contacted the National Archives and told them they had these documents. So that's already different from Trump. Now, when the National Archives contacted former President Trump about his documents, they lied and said they didn't have them. And the National Archives like, nah, bro, you bullshit. I know you got them because I see them missing here because you took so damn many. Right. So then the Trump administration was like, oh, my bad, my guy. Here you go. You can have all these documents back. Then the National Archive was like, are you sure these are all the documents? And the Trump administration said, yeah, 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 you straight, man. You straight. All Trump lawyers like, yeah, man, I'll sign off on this, man. It's all the documents. The National Archive was like, bro, you still bullshitting, dog. These are not all the national. These are not all the classified documents. I'm looking at the list. This ain't all of them. So then they negotiated for three months. The Trump administration and National Archives. And then the Trump administration, like, okay, here goes some more boxes, bruh. Then the National Archives, like, bruh, I still don't think these are all the documents are missing because you took so damn many of them. Are you sure? Trump lawyers, again, sign off on it. But yeah, man, these are all the documents. Are you sure? Yes. National Archives runs a record check. Like, bruh, they ain't, these ain't all of them. You got to have more documents. National Archives get fed up. They call the FBI to issue a search warrant because the Trump administration and his lawyers lied so many damn times about the documents. None of that happened with the Biden administration. So this is not equivalent. Now to all my Republican friends who are like, yeah, dog, this all could be connected to Hunter Biden's laptop or whatever. My question is, what do you want to happen? So by bringing this up, 
is your argument that nobody should get prosecuted? It's a wash. So the hell with President Biden and the hell with President Trump because everybody takes classified documents. Or is your position that everybody needs to be prosecuted? Because I pose this to you. If it turns out that the Biden administration has more classified documents at the National Archives, go check their records. And they feel like more documents that are pertinent to national security are missing. Then, yes, issue a search warrant for the Biden, uh, the Penn Biden building and go try to find those documents. I'm actually for that. But that's not what the National Archives is saying. But yes, if they come back and say, yo, we're missing some documents, some very important documents that we didn't know about previously. Yeah, go ahead. Issue the search warrant for the Biden administration. Do it. But that's not what you guys are saying. And that's not what you guys want. What you want is to deflect responsibility from what the Trump administration did and downplay it and make it seem like it's not a big deal. And it is a big deal. Like in the former President Trump case, there was nuclear documents, dog, like nuclear weapon documents. I don't know what these documents are at the time for the Biden administration, but whatever those documents are, I don't think there was nuclear code related. And if they are, then yo, I'm sorry, but that's already not the same. We try to play this what about ism in politics so damn much. And I got to ask you, like, what do you really want to happen? Are you deflecting or do you want to see accountability? Because if you're saying, yo, we need to hold Biden accountable. My question is accountable for what? Because he did the right thing. He found out he had documents. Well, he didn't know. His administration or his people found out that they had documents and they called the National Archives. There you go. The Trump administration had multiple opportunities to turn in all their documents. They still got opportunity. They still haven't turned in all the documents yet. Yet. After being confronted about this dude. And like I said, context matters. So the fact that they still not turn in all the documents leads me to believe that they're doing something nefarious with these documents. I could be totally wrong. This could just be a misstep. This could be a guy who just didn't know how many documents they took and they had them in multiple spots. But at the very least, you know what it does? It shows incompetence. Gross incompetence. The former president, Trump that is, looks like a bumbling fool who hired clowns. You can say that about his attorneys. His attorneys signed off and said that was all the documents and it turned out it wasn't all the documents. That shows people who are not good at their jobs. And that's a reflection on the guy who hired them. So this guy can't even hire competent attorneys and people around him to make sure that he has all the documents turned in. So if it wasn't anything nefarious, former President Trump was planning, it shows, man, incompetence. And I still can't get down with that. In the case of Biden, look, man, you can say it shows incompetence because they took him, but at least they tried to do the right thing to turn him in. And once again, if it turns out that more documents are missing and the National Archives does a scrub and they be like, you know what? Mm-mm-mm. The Obama-Biden administration got multiple documents missing too. Cool. Issue a search warrant. But until then, y'all chill out with the whataboutism. Chill. Please. I'm not saying that President Biden is infallible and shouldn't be not, should not be held accountable for any mistakes. I'm not saying that, dog. But this right here, man, yeah, yeah, it, it is not like the same as President Trump. It, it just isn't, guys. 
DJ L Spade here asking you to humbly take the time out your busy day and listen to my new single, Lost Boys. And while you're at it, why not listen to some other fine music produced by your boy DJ L Spade on every DSP. Appreciate it, guys. Peace. All right, guys, cook with me for a second. Remember when fast food workers in America were fighting for a living wage? The reply from corporations was that if they pay fast food workers at the time $10 an hour, that that would make the price of the food more expensive and they would have to like lay off workers because they couldn't afford the benefits. Inflation would take over. It was a whole rigmarole. The United States collectively agreed and called those workers ungrateful. Like that was the knock against those fast food workers. They was out there protesting. They was having fast food strikes and America and large slandered all those workers. Like they told him, man, see guys are ungrateful. Your job isn't that important. And those workers were saying, Hey man, I'm working 40 hours a week. I need a living wage. And one of the tales that the corporations was lying about this was during the pandemic. Wages went up to like $15 an hour because there was a scarcity of workers. So that showed that these corporations were lying. They could have always paid these folks $15 an hour, but due to the scarcity of workers, now all of a sudden they could find a way to give bonuses for fast food workers. I saw some signs like, yo, hey, we'll give you a $500 bonus and a cell phone if you come work at McDonald's. But people was like, oh man, I don't want the price of the McDouble to go up to $2. You're asking for too much money. You're asking for $10 when to be above the poverty line at the time was like $12, I'm not mistaken, to be over the poverty line. These folks was just fighting for $10 an hour because the national uh, minimum wage at the time was like $7, like $7.50, something like that. And they were just fighting for $10. But to be over the poverty line was $12 an hour. Now, the thing was, we collectively snubbed our nose at those fast food workers. The sentiment was like, yo, if you guys wanted to live in ways, you should have worked harder. You're flipping burgers because you didn't work harder or you didn't try hard in school. So it was kind of like a de facto punishment. Like if you guys wanted better money, you should have worked harder. You should have went to college, got a degree, which see how that's working out for all of us people with degrees. We got like $100,000 in debt and now we're baristas because old folks not moving out the way. But that's a separate argument. That's a separate argument. But when the fast food workers ask for more money, collectively, we always like, yo, dude, mm -mm, it's your fault you're working in fast food. I remember people saying, well, that's a high school a high schooler job, how dare they want $10 an hour or $12 an hour? You're saying it's a high schooler job, but you got adults working it. And these adults are working 40 hours, which was a kind of a mute argument. I'm like, it can't just be a high schooler job if you got adults there. But the sentiment was, because these adults are working at a fast food restaurant, they're somehow lazy, didn't try hard when they was young, and they need to be punished. And if they want a uh, living wage, they need to go back and retrain and go to school because they're not worthy of a living wage because they're working in fast food. So when automated machines came into fast food and into the fast food industry, it was positioned as a, a reaction to the overreach of the demands of the fast food workers, right? And the unions. It's like, yo, the unions back these fast food workers to say, yo, they should have a higher wage, a uh, living wage. And the general public was like, nah, see, that's your problem. Y'all asked for too much money. So these automated machines are coming and taking your jobs. When in actuality, that wasn't because they asked for a living wage. That was just capitalism, right? It was just more cost efficient to have an automated machine take orders than it was to have a person there. 
I mean, we see this all throughout history, man. Like that was the thing about the cotton gin. The cotton gin made it so you didn't need like 50 people out there separating the cotton from the seed. It made it like pointless to have slaves <laughs> doing that type of work when you had an automated machine that could do it quicker and more reliable. Right. Like the Industrial Revolution and the use of gas and energy has really made it so capitalism can flourish. And that was kind of like the argument of the northern states during the Civil War. Like leading up to the Civil War, the northern states was on these tractors and the use of gasoline powered machines to do the work of 100 people. So they was like, yo, why, why are y'all still having slaves in the South, dude? Like, why, why would you still do that? Because the southern state argument was, that, yo, we need these human hands to manufacture this cotton. But then the North was like, yo, bro, you can just get a tractor and a cotton gin to do the work of a hundred people. Why are you still having slaves? And then the argument more for like, oh no, this is just what we do. This is part of our history. And bam, then you got the civil war, right? <laughs> because like the argument for slavery more like, yo, you don't really need slavery when you got these machines that can do the work of all the people. You're just keeping the slaves now because you just want to dominate people, which could also be said about, you know, these anti-abortion bills. We're just trying to control women, but I digress. Keeping it on theme right here. But from a corporation standpoint, any job that can be automated will be automated. That's a job that I don't need a worker. I don't have to pay them benefits. And I can increase shareholder benefits. I can increase the payout to shareholder, shareholder value, right? That is capitalism. The world and Americans in particular are told this lie. That our self-worth is connected to our jobs. The more prestigious the job, the more respect you get. The higher the salary, the greater person you are. Like outside of networking, I try myself not to ask somebody what they do. I, I try to keep that out of the equation because you only tend to ask somebody what they do so you can determine how much respect to give them. So, oh, you're a lawyer, you're a doctor. Ooh, wow. Oh, you're a janitor? Huh. Okay, I guess you didn't try hard, right? It, it tends to be that thing because we connect our worth to our jobs. I bring that all up to say this. It's about over for capitalism as we know it, man. As I see it, there's only like 50 years left of capitalism as we know it. And that's because this AI is getting way, 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 way too advanced right now. It's not all the way there. It's not like talking to a human. It's not to like, it doesn't have the subtle nuances, but this AI is advanced as hell. And let me tell you, man, a lot of our jobs are going to become obsolete. When you start including automation with artificial intelligence, an intelligence is actually like teaching itself and critiquing itself. A lot of jobs are going to be pointless, dude, because capitalism is always trying to get the cheapest amount of labor to maximize the profits. That's one of the tenets of capitalism. So what happens when white collar jobs become obsolete? Think about it, man. Like, why would I need a paralegal now when I got AI that can research all the stuff I need? Like, can do the, the work of maybe five paralegals in this one AI. Maybe 50 paralegals, depending on the AI and what it's set up to do. Why would I hire a paralegal? I take it a step further. What happens when I don't need a lawyer? Like, a lot of law people just do research and no loopholes. Like, what if the AI can do that for me? It's not too far-fetched to see a situation where AI can be a lot more reliable and doing surgery than a human. Like, think about it. You have an automated machine with AI that can actually scan your body and know what ventricle to cut and where and where not to do. I can see a scenario where that happens. 
and what you gonna do when that happens? Like, not like major surgeries, but some of these minor surgeries, which look, there ain't no such thing as a minor surgery. The only minor surgery is a surgery I don't have that doesn't affect me. <laughs> but I can see a scenario where like minor diagnosis and surgeries and definitely distributing drugs becomes fully automated. So what happens when you don't need the pharmacy techs or the pharmacist no more? And for those of y'all don't know, man, I'm a very tech savvy guy. I follow tech news. And I'm up on everything that comes out dealing with AI because two things that are really pertinent to me on the Common Knowledge Podcast, staying up on technology news and the dissemination of your, your DNA, like where your DNA going and the, the cross section between like our DNA and technology and how people are weaponizing our DNA. That is very, very pertinent to me. So I've been getting on some of these AI platforms. Let me tell you guys, it's kind of scary. I went to chat GPT and I asked it to write a rap for me. It wrote a rap. Now, the rap didn't have the human feel to it. But one thing I did find out that in China, they have fully automated songs. Like AI is actually writing a song, making the beat and using voice generated algorithms to sing the song. What happens when that is all we want and to be honest, I can see that taking off because right now with autotune, man, most of the songs sound computerized. It, pff, bruh. <laughs> what happens when that happens? Like, yo, even like bespoke clothing, right? There's something about having a tailored outfit to fit you that is miraculous and it feels good. So you go to a tailor, they go to take your measurements and they take your suit in they make all the measurements and having a... a like, seriously, if you never had a suit made for you personally, do it. It's a life-changing experience. I've had that happen, and I'm glad I did it. I paid a lot for that tailored suit. But what happens when you have AI that can automate a sewing machine? The only thing it needs is my measurements or I can just scan my body, and it knows how to make a tailor-made suit for me. And then the cost of that bespoke clothing goes down significantly. What happens then? What are the tailors going to do, man? It was okay when automation was affecting blue-collar jobs. But what happens when it starts hitting these white-collar jobs? There are a lot of jobs that this AI and automation are just going to take away off the table, dude. Which leads me to Andrew Yang. When Andrew Yang ran... For president, he brought up universal basic income as a feasible option to deal with AI. And we all laughed at him. Like the younger generation was like, yeah, that makes sense, Andrew Yang. But all us old fogies, the elder millennials, the X and the boomers, we was like, nah, uh-uh, that's stupid. That's never going to happen. And let me tell you guys, the future is now. We're going to have to really talk about our next step. And what capitalism is going to look like, or even is, if capitalism is even a viable way of running our governments. Really, it, I, what is our currency going to be like? What's going to be the system? Are we going to still go by GDP and fiat when a lot of these jobs are obsolete and people can't work because AI does it better? AI automation just does it better. China is already dealing with like social currency, social credits. Like, you do something right, they give you social credit. And I was thinking to myself, like, how dangerous would it be if that became the currency of the world? 
because morality is a sliding scale depending on who you ask man what's more to you may not be more to some right that goes back to the slavery thing at one point in time in american history that was morally right and good and just and all those slave owners were going to, to church praising the lord when they come home and rape their slaves right <laughs> but that was seen as morally okay so that'd be damning if social currency became currency like there's only a few jobs i don't see being in danger in the next 50 years of course the politicians jobs are not going to be in danger because they're in control and maybe like logistics and truck driving like i don't see fully automated uh, autonomous automated fully autonomous vehicles being a thing in the next 50 years because right it's too many subtle nuances that goes with driving plus i don't know who you're gonna blame when there's a wreck i guess you can blame the company that could be a thing right so and plus i can see that being legislated like nobody wants to see truck drivers lose their thing i don't see that being a thing but what happens when all the trains are automated when you don't need engineers to run the trains who among you think that jeff bezos wouldn't have a fully automated fulfillment center where he didn't need workers and all the products can go out lickety split i mean that'd be the move right if you can take away all the humans in the fulfillment center because right now the most dangerous place to work in america is an amazon fulfillment center and y'all think about this one out of every 153 americans work at amazon if amazon start automating jobs man a lot of american workers are screwed what's gonna be the move what are we gonna do check it out man because they keep on rushing those people rush 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 and there's only so much a human can do rushing right the only jobs gonna be left now are basically fixing these machines and tweaking the ai and that takes a very particular skill set to do so what are we gonna do as a society when this ai starts to take over universal basic income is probably gonna have to be the move man it's probably going to be the only viable way to keep society afloat in the next 50 years if AI keeps on going on the trajectory it is. Right? Like, I was playing around with AI yesterday and I asked the AI to write me a whole website code and it did it. I put in the particulars of what I wanted in my website and it wrote me a code. And I was like, damn, bro. There go my designing job. Because AI just designed me a whole website in two minutes. <laughs> in two minutes. Right now, you see apps like Lissa already doing graphic design and taking pictures of people, compiling images and giving you whatever you want, dog. It's over, man. <laughs> it's over for all of us. We're damn near three steps from Skynet. <laughs> Dead serious. But what is going to be our next step? I don't have the answers, but I think that's something we need to talk about. Because I don't see capitalism as it is lasting 50 more years. Because technology ain't getting worse. And good luck trying to put them biscuits back in the can. Just something to think about. Yo, if you like the Common Knowledge Podcast, check out the random show hosted with me and the homie Alex Lex Caliber Hunter. On the random show, we talk about random shit. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at random. That's R-A-N dash D-U-M-B. Random. All right. I'd like to take a little time out to.
to acknowledge and mourn the death of the pro-Trump entertainer Diamond of Diamond and Silk, who died at the age of 51. Way too young. And let me just read a little bit of the NBC News story, right? Diamond of the pro-Trump entertainers Diamond and Silk died, the former president, as well as the duo verified Twitter account announced Monday night she was 51 years old. Both women, sisters whose name was Lynette Holloway and Rochelle Richardson, were born in 1971, with Diamond making her debut on Thanksgiving Day, according to her 2020 book, Uprising. Calling her death really bad news for Republicans, former President Donald Trump said on his true social uh, platform, our beautiful diamond of diamond and silk has passed away at her home in the state she loved so much, North Carolina. Her cause of death was unknown, Trump said. Diamond's death was totally unexpected. The pair's verified Twitter account said the world just lost a true angel and warrior patriot of freedom, love and humanity. It asked that any donations be made to a memorial fundraiser page at a crowdfunding website. In late November, the Diamond and Silk Twitter account made a plea for prayers for Diamond. It was not clear exactly why. Anyone who believes in the power of prayer, please pray for Diamond, it said. The two women made a splash during Trump's 2016 campaign for president, supporting him with commentary on their YouTube channel. The duo has said they switched parties after being lifelong Democrats just to support Trump following his 2015 presidential campaign announcement. And here's the thing, guys. I'm going to be honest. I politically vehemently disagreed with Diamond and Silk. I could not stand their YouTube channel. Did not like it whatsoever. Did not like it at all. I thought it had a lot of shucking and jiving. I thought it was kind of a grip. But, but, this is one thing I have to say. We always talk about how black folks are not monolithic. And what that entails is like a diversity of ideas and thoughts. So one thing I always pushed back on was when people who didn't like Diamond and Silk, which is your right not to like Diamond and Silk, wasn't too fond of myself, but I hate when their blackness was connected to their political affiliation. I didn't like that at all. Like you got to have a diversity of ideas within blackness, whatever that may mean to you. So I always got mad when people was like, oh, look at these black women. Now, once again, I didn't like some of the mannerisms, some of the shucking and jiving. However, you know, drinking the Kool-Aid and stuff like that. However, there's something liberating about being so comfortable with yourself to the point you can do your neck roll. It's just I didn't like how they was positioned that with the audience. Right. Because a lot of people will look at that and be like, yeah, look at these black people. That's how like the stereotypical character of black women. It was kind of feeding into that. I didn't like that. But, you know, if it was a grip, it was a successful grip. And for better or worse, they got their ideas out and they made something of those ideas. And I can't do nothing but commend that as a black content creator myself. Right. I don't expect everybody to agree with me. And I definitely didn't agree with them. 
But I love the fact that they put their words out there because the dirty secret that I always tell people is most black people in the South and North Carolina is the South, guys. <laughs> Let me make that clear. North Carolina is the South. Most black people in the South are small C conservative. Right. And they're not the only black people I know that supported Trump. I got some of my family, black folks that supported Trump. So that was never shocking to me. Right. Blackness and whiteness should not be connected to your political party. And what equality looks like to me is when you have a diversity of ideas and people feel free going to either side. Right. Now, I can make arguments why I'm not a Republican. I can make arguments why I'm not a Democrat. Personally, independent. Don't mess with both sides. But it was totally their right to jump into the conspiracy, the conservative spear. And for better or worse, they stuck with it. Like after Trump didn't get reelected, they stuck with it. So I can't do nothing but respect it, man. Like that shows that it probably wasn't a grift. It was something real to them. So with that being said, man, rest in peace, Diamond, Lynette Hardaway of Diamond and Silk. My condolences. And for everybody who's missing them, man, you got a little extra money, throw some money to that crowd raiser. Real quick, guys, I'm not going to take too much of your time, but I would like for you guys to please, in the year 2023, if you're listening to my podcast, to please subscribe, like, and tell a friend also to listen to my podcast. I mean, I've seen substantial growth in 2022, and I'm trying to keep this thing moving, but I need your support. So please Listen often, share with your friends, man. Even they disagree, that they, you think they got opposite views of what I may think on a Common Knowledge podcast, I would still appreciate to have their uh, comments. So, like, look, if you got time and you listen to this podcast, please share it on the socials. It'll help your boy out greatly. Let's have a great 2023. Greatly appreciate y'all. Peace.